Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, we have a lot of guests here and we're super excited. We have my friend, Chris Bonneman, my CTOM cohort mate and ed tech leader from Bonita. We have a few students joining from our tech council. You're gonna meet Vivian and Rhea. We have my teammate, David Paskowitz, who is always a good person to chat with and, and get some great ideas. So we've really assembled this team and along with Jamal to engage in our conversation about chat GPT. And so this is meant to be kind of a wondering session. What are we thinking about? What are our reactions? What should we be thinking about as we contemplate this tool in the educational space? So that's our topic for today. And before we dig in, our episodes traditionally feature something kind of fun where we're going to just share our reactions to some bizarre topics. So this is where everybody gets a chance to answer. So students, you're invited to play along as well. Um, I'm going to start off with the topic of puppies or kittens. So Vivian, puppies or kittens, what do you pick? Personally, I'm a cat person, so I'm going to have to say kittens. Excellent. Rhea, what about you? Oh, I'm definitely a puppies person. I have a dog yes. and I really like dogs, so that's Good answer. David? Do I have to choose? My family has been begging me and bugging me for both, but if I had my brothers, probably kittens. Jamal? We have a cat and a dog, but I hate the cat, and I love my dog who has the same birthday as me, so I'm going for puppies. <laughs> That's awesome. Chris, what about you? I got to say, I love puppies and kittens, and I'll take buckets of both of them, but um, <laughs> if I were to play right now, I would want some puppies. Excellent. I have a bird, but I love all animals. So <laughs> I, I actually like Rhodesian Ridgebacks are kind of a mix of a cat dog because they're cuddly like a dog. Like they'll give you that attention, but they're very standoffish and have a lot of personality. So they treat you like a cat. So they're a fun mix. <laughs> all right. This one's kind of timely because of our weather. Chris, let's start with you. Sand or snow? Just because it looks so great on the mountains right now, I'm going with snow. Excellent. Jamal, what about you? Yes, I would go for snow as well, and it doesn't stick in your pants like sand. So, <laughs> <laughs> Vivian, what about you? This is hard, but I think I'm going to have to go with sand just because cold weather is not my thing. Rhea? I'd probably pick snow because I like skiing, and I agree mm -hmm. with the fact that it doesn't stick to your clothes because sand can get really messy. Yes, awesome. <laughs> David? Cold weather is my thing. I will have to admit, I'm a snowman. <laughs> I love both, but I'm going to go with snow right now. I was able to get out and hike up to the snow. It was so low, like 2,500 feet. Just amazing this past yeah. weekend. So excited about that. All right. That was our warm-up game. Thank you for playing along. It's always great to kind of get to know our guests and hear your thoughts on super random fun topics. So as I mentioned before, we really don't have a ton of answers about AI and the implications with chat GPT yet, but it's really interesting to kind of talk about our wonderings and how we have reacted to this. So really want to spend some time with our guests today working through some questions and just think about the implications in the K-12 space and also the workforce. I mean, I was just in cabinet this morning and my boss said, hey, I read this article that you can now use chat GPT to plan your trips. So put in where you want to go and it pops out an itinerary. And at first we're like, oh, that's amazing. And then what about the travel agents? That probably already was a declining industry, oh, but yeah. that workforce implication, I think is something that is part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So in thinking about this topic, I'd love to kind of take that step back of where were you when you first heard about this? What was your initial reaction? I think it was probably December, or early January, wherever you were, but I'd love to kind of hear kind of where you were and what you thought the first time you heard about it. 
Chris, you want to start? Sure. I had been playing a little bit with Dolly, which is the art version mm-hmm. of this. And it's actually created by the same person, which I did not know at the time. When I heard about it, I couldn't get enough answers. I really, that's what it was. I couldn't quite put my head around it. Just the fact that it was responding and thing, I kept thinking, because we've all done those AI chat bots, which feel very flat. I get irritated every time I get one. But I kept kind of digging and digging and it was so much more than that, had so many more layers to it than that, like hitting it from every direction. I still feel like I'm getting to know it. I honestly, it's a, one of those things that I hear somebody go, what? I got to like pull it up and say, is that for reals? So I think it's growing as fast as people are thinking about it, which we don't get technology like that very often. I have to be honest, technology usually grows at a slower pace. I think that's what makes us scary, but also super exciting like to think about. Yeah, I know when I looked up early on the articles, just as far as the subscription rate to ChatGPT, how it it already eclipsed Netflix subscription in like a short amount of time. So that's how crazy and ridiculous the draw is with this new entity, I would say. I do like how you're both are saying like it or entity, like we're personifying it or attempting to do something with it already. Yeah. Rhea or Vivian, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about this? So I heard about it. I was like in my car driving with a friend and he brought up the fact that there's this like random website thing that, you know, you can just put in anything and people get full essays on it. And then we kind of got into like a conversation about like, you know, how people can actually submit schoolwork just based on something they look up. So I was like really intrigued at first just to have this new like technology that was so different than a lot of things. And make your classwork a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I found out about it through like either social media or through like Wall Street Journal. But when I saw it and when I went on to ChatGPT and could see that I could actually use it, I thought that was pretty cool. And it's like sort of almost on the same level as like self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. Do you trust self-driving cars though? (laughs) (laughs) I I want to. I want a Tesla. I think for me, I heard actually from a, I was at a board meeting and one of my low voltage texts brought it up. He's like, chat GPT. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was like a couple months ago, but, um, and he was like, yeah, if you put in something to do the coding for you and whatnot. So then I start looking into it and playing around. I think when I first tried to get in, like it wasn't available. It's was like come back at another time. So when I did have time to come back to actually play around it, I thought it was interesting. And so like Chris said, I'm still experimenting and playing in the playground with it right now to see the capabilities of what it could do. Do you remember the first week everyone was talking about it and no one could decide if it was, as you're saying it, is it chat GTP or G- GPT? <laughs> and now everybody knows it correctly, right? But it was, it was a little awkward for the first few days. And on our team, we have a Slack channel. All the funnies, anytime something funny pops up and we were sharing our weirdest ideas and weirdest prompts and what was being generated. And I mean, these were spot on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in Jamie's voice, what are, you know, 10 crazy <laughs> questions that you could ask as a hiring a new IT tech or something like that. Yeah. It sounded just like it. That's the most interesting part is where you can say in this voice, in Shakespeare, in in the style of Philip K. Dick or whatever, make it sound like something they'd say. And that's, I think, the promise and the scary bit, too. 
Yes. I remember I was at, it was our holiday party for cabinet and our governing board. And I think we had just had in our Slack channel, we were all playing with it and putting out these crazy things. It just got crazier and crazier the day went on. And so my excitement level was very high. And I remember I was sitting down and I was like trying to explain what this was to people. And there was just no way for them to understand it. Mm -hmm. Like until you see it at that first moment in, in December, the processing of it was like, you're just making stuff up. Like, what do you mean? It wrote a children's story in Barack Obama's voice. Like, what does, I don't understand what that means. Like you did a new version of Jingle Bells, like for a eighth grader, like none of that made sense. And then as people have played with it, that's when the ideas start generating. Once you see what it does, it's pretty marvelous. So students, I'd love to know like what conversations have been at school. You touched on that a little bit about when you first heard about it, but what are you hearing from other students or what have been your initial kind of wonderings or thoughts about it? Yeah, so I think the topic is mostly like how can we use this for our school assignments and is it actually going to be effective or not and I think the answer mostly at least like with my friends that I've talked about is it doesn't seem to be at the same level as like our school assignments that the teachers expect from us like the quality Mm -hmm. of assignment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it provides a skeleton or a framework for your assignments where you can build off of? I think that for some assignments it can. Like I'm in chemistry right now. And so I was just kind of playing around and seeing if it could give me some tips about that, you know, kind of asking like you would to a tutor. I just asked it a question and, you know, it gave me like a short and concise answer and things like that. I think it could definitely help. But like on kind of what Vivian said, you know, like if you ask it to write an, you an essay and you turn that essay in, like that's particularly won't be you know, at the same caliber or level that the teacher expects. So I think full assignments, you turning in word for word won't really benefit you. But I think it is beneficial, you know, when trying to look up small parts to like a bigger piece. Yeah. Adding on to that, I think in my Python class, the teacher was busy helping other people and I had a question. And so I asked it to chat GPT and it actually gave me a pretty helpful response. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just use it for like generating ideas. So like In Python, again, we do like code games, I guess. And so I asked ChatGPT, what are like 10 cool game ideas that I can make in Pygame? Yeah, and I think it's based off, from my experience playing around with it, it's just the more information or detailed information you provide in the request, it gives a more in-depth product at the end because the more limited it was it was like okay a few sentences because i'm trying to like look at policies it can write for me or at least give me some like baseline to build off of and i was surprised at what it did produce and then the more data i was instilling in it the more data i got back which was helpful for my experience playing around with it yeah that's my wondering about it in terms of its place in k-12 and even to our roles jamal is you really have to know how to program it in a sense to get what you want and so a really sophisticated question or prompt yields better results and so i think that experimentation is super fascinating and that makes me think that it does have value Mm -hmm. in our schools when you're gauging that kind of higher order thinking and the opportunity to develop that skill of asking those questions you really do get the feedback right away. And that's something we struggle with in the classroom all the time is how do you get that immediate feedback when there's so many students there? I'm thinking this may not be the most authentic feedback, but it's still, it's going to challenge yourself. It's kind of, I used to have um, students read out loud what they've done 
And they would always say, poo poo me. No, oh, I just read it. And I, no, no, no. Read it out loud and you're going to hear something. And that's kind of what this is like. You're experimenting with it in a way that you're training yourself kind of for mm-hmm. the ear for what it can do for you and where you want to get and how sophisticated you want to get with it. Because I don't think it's going to replace super creative thinking, but it might have be a catalyst to that. Chris, if I could follow up with that, yeah. I was reading an article within the last hour on, on the Atlantic. And the title of the article is something like chat GPT is doing my job for me. Basically, this is a writer for the Atlantic. And basically what he was saying is that his world is being a writer, but he has other things that he just needs to do, like write little blurbs and summaries and digests and things. So he's outsourcing that work to the robots and it's fine. And he goes in and he says, but the value is if that's just generating copy, and he's like, the difference between writing and generating copy is that ChatGPT is good at that, right? It can make a lot of language, make a lot of words, but it takes the human to edit and to kind of take those words and bring them to life. Correct. Rearranging sentences or putting in an M dash or whatever. It, it was a compelling article, but I think that's really where the rubber beats the road is let the robot kind of come up with the basic words. But at that point, we're it's a different skill. It's a different skill set that we'll have to build is how do we bring words to life? And I think students need to do that. I think adults need to know that just like spell check helped a lot of people become better writers. Mm-hmm. This is one of those other tools and we don't even know where it's going yet, but I'm hopeful with the writing part of it. That's good. You ladies, as far as you guys stated, you have discussions with your peers are you having discussions in the classroom where the teachers are discussing chat GPT? And if so, what are their opinions in regards to it? I don't think I've had a teacher discuss it. Like personally, when I discuss it, it's just like on my free time. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we discussed it a few weeks ago in the tech council meeting. So Miss Daly was there. and But other than that, like in the classroom setting, the teachers haven't really brought it up yet. So I'm not sure what they want. Yeah, same here. Should they be asking about it? Should they be telling you about it? I think certain classes might benefit from it. So, like, I don't know necessarily if English classes, for example, would benefit too much from using chat GTP just because, especially those that are, like, writing-oriented, like, that's something that, you know, the whole skill of the class is to be writing. So using chat GTP to get responses to prompts isn't necessarily helping your education in that kind of sense but you know as Vivian mentioned like python for example or even in chemistry and like asking the chat gtp a question or two i feel like mainly only help you because it's only going to give you small parts to that bigger piece that you would find anyway by asking a friend or a teacher it's just a faster resource so i think in certain classes it could be helpful but not all I wonder if teachers are afraid to bring it up in class, as the students were mentioning, not hearing very many conversations yet. Is there just a hesitancy because they don't feel as well informed as they need to be about it? I know we've had discussions with our English teachers specifically about it and kind of seen their emotions and reactions change a little bit from the beginning to today. I think they're on the kind of approach with caution phase of thinking about it where they see possibility and they see potential, but they're afraid of like rapid unleashing. They kind of want to test it and play with it themselves first before talking about it with students. So that could be where they are. Chris, are you seeing anything in your district with teachers yet? Just a tiny bit. I don't think it's a hesitancy. I think it's actually a no idea. 
Like this is like Snapchat to them. They didn't care about that. They don't care about this. They haven't like seen it as a tool (laughs) that could implement. It feels so foreign to them. Now, a few of them are figuring it out, but the only thing they're latching on to is that the cheat factor. And that's that anxiety of what is it going to generate? Watching some of the tech companies swivel on that is fascinating to me as well, because turnitin.com, that we're going to be able to detect if it's chat GPT, they're all swinging these things up quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they understand it well enough to do that either, if that makes sense. I think the voice component of ChatGPT is the most interesting one to me. It's the first time I'm seeing tone and things like that actually showing up in it, which I think is a way to sort of hide that cheat factor. Mm -hmm. Literally, when you could write something to be the voice of a 10-year-old, it does not sound like something generated by a computer. You know what I mean? it, It really is playing with that piece of it. I always hesitate to get scared of something because I think we've been scared of everything ever in technology. And I always say, whenever technology feels like magic, it's like, that's what I hang on to. It's like, this one does, this one feels like magic. And I feel like it's been a while since we felt anything that hit Mm -hmm. us this way. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of exciting. You know what I mean? I like, Mm -hmm. I want to dig in. I don't want us to be too scared. Mm -hmm. We've refused to block it. We do have GoGuardian in our district. So we've given teachers the option in your classroom, you can, you know, shut it down if that's what your option is. I've talked about this with a couple of you, just my residents of that equity component when this kid has their phone and can go do it, but you know what I mean? And then on district devices, we're shutting it down. And I just, I get such anxiety about what we're doing with this tool when we think people are going to use it. I just... I always feel like our policies need to be broader than the technology does. What are our ethics for this? What are our choices for this? Because cheating can mean something different all of the time. And this may not be that. I feel like we we just need to be more careful with that. Like, I, I don't think a calculator is necessarily cheating because you have to know how to use it and you have to know how to do those pieces with it. And this feels more like that to me where you're going to have to have a little bit of knowledge to make this work in a way that's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to I don't have the answers. our <laughs> French teacher here at Lacadata High School. She's a real techie. She's very into this concept right now. We're in a really great conversation. And she said it's very interesting to her that the corporations are dumping millions, billions of dollars into this technology, but the schools are lips are sealed. We're not talking about this. Yeah. And that's interesting. And why aren't we talking about this? Yeah. Especially if our goal is to push students <laughs> in career paths that are going to be the future. And we're trying to limit them from contacting or touching the future. Cause in our district, we haven't some directors, some administrators and staff are talking about it, but not too much. And I know even one of managers on my team was just talking about it today. He said, should we block it? And like, no, I, I don't see the reason why. Like it's sparking creativity, it's sparking ideas at this point in time. And we shouldn't see it as an adverse effect because it's not going away. So how can we expose ourselves to it in a healthy manner? I think that's important. Google was something that mm-hmm. was trying to get shut down. Right. I remember having conversations where they said, no, all of our kids need to know all the Microsoft tools. 
you're wasting your time doing these Google tools. They couldn't see them as even comparable at the time. You know, they can't get a job if they can't use Microsoft. And I think we were so far away from that now, but this feels a little bit like that. Yes. So there was a university that was in the news recently and they used chat GPT to post a response to the shooting in Michigan. And part of it was, yeah, that gasp, Chris, it's an interesting question because first of all, they cited their source. So they put created in partnership with chat GPT. Interesting that they chose to do that in an email that went out about a tragedy. And so these two people, the deans that were responsible for this, they have taken a step back from their position. So essentially they're like on admin leave. That was the university's response in the national news. And we're all grappling with, was this an acceptable response to trying out new tech? Mm. Was it overly critical to have to be removed? But it's raising interesting questions. Like when should you use this? When is it appropriate? Kind of fascinating. So all that to say, they interviewed a bunch of students to kind of get their reactions at this university. And I wanted to read for you one of the quotes that a student said that I thought was kind of goes to what our students were talking about earlier. So the student said, chat GPT really only works for extremely basic stuff like busy work. Otherwise, you have to train it a bunch for it to make sense. This begs the question of why we're getting assigned that stuff that can be easily answered by chat GPT. Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's that's good. And I remember in the early days of every kid having a Chromebook and mm-hmm. the fear that arose from that for teachers. And we were saying things like, if the kids can Google the answer, you need to change your test. Mm-hmm. So is this the next iteration of this? If chat GPT can answer this in a way that would pass your class, are you asking the right questions? And I mean, that's a lot to ask of our educators. So I recognize it's not as easy as saying change your work, but super interesting to hear a student say it that way. And that's one of the biggest roadblocks in the school district is change. Nobody likes change and they're accustomed to the way they've been doing things 15, 20, 30 years. So, mm-hmm. and as you were speaking earlier, like AI, the stuff we're talking about now will be irrelevant in like 30 minutes. So this is constantly yeah. changing. <laughs> yeah. so, so complete opposites. I mean, so- Vivian, they're our workforce. I mean, they are going to be our most current workforce coming in. So what you guys do with it is what I'm excited about. If you can find a place with this to help build content creation, isn't that like king right now? Everywhere? You think about all those Instagram things and all those writings and how you have to cut it up into little pieces. And this could be brilliant for that. Brainstorm a bunch of stuff in and you have your whole month of stuff to talk about. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine taking an article and say, write three Instagram posts for this? <laughs> Chris, you just invented a new thing. I'm going to try this right after. This is amazing. I was thinking about writing a, a rap verse for me so I can start spitting off <laughs> on a track or something. <laughs> yes. I was so reading hot. a policy on one of the Travel and Leisure magazine that they've got a new policy that says to the readers, none of this is created by robots. Like everything that you read in our magazine is, so that's almost like a new bona fides, right? Like, hey, Mm -hmm. we're actually written by humans. It's a sales pitch. So ladies, how do you feel, or what potential do you see with ChatGPT? Even just fun or, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be school related, but what potential do you see with utilizing ChatGPT? 
Okay, so sometimes I just like to mess around with it for like entertainment.、Mm-hmm. I think on social media, TikTok, I've seen like these videos of people trying to gaslight ChatGPT into thinking that two plus two is like five instead of four or something. And it actually works. And it's pretty funny、wow. because ChatGPT is like, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. Sorry about that. <laughs> But I think there's that entertainment factor. But then also the fact that you can just, Change and bias how ChatGPT responds so easily is, I feel like, another reason why it might not be as reliable for school assignments.、Mm-hmm. So, some positives I think you can ask it questions for schoolwork, it can aid you like when a teacher is not there, but it can also prove to be a distraction if used incorrectly, like if、mm-hmm. you're kind of constantly on it during class or. Trying to ease your way out of actually doing the work and learning by looking up the answers. So, I think that it just kind of depends on how you use it. You know, maybe teachers could be you know, resistant to having it in the classroom just because they might not be able to regulate it as much if students can go on their own devices and kind of use it behind their computer, you know. So, I think there's some you know, issues in that sense. But overall, I feel like if it can be used correctly, then it can help you. And, and there's a lot of positives. That's good. Yeah, because one of the concerns that I heard or read about is just because I know it's been two years of data imported in, but if the data is faulty going in, like it has certain biases or lanes or bents, that's going to be the output it produces as well. So it's also what's the driving force or what is the data that's actually it's receiving? What it's basically factors what's coming out of it. So that's one thing you always have to take in consideration as well. Mm-hmm. And it's still limited to up to 2021, right? We're still missing that's what you're saying. Yeah, we're still missing、Correct. those two years of data. So, pretty important. That was a note to my earlier comment about using it as a travel agent. You're going to be missing out any kind of art exhibits or museum openings you may have.、Mm-hmm. You're going to have pretty old data. So, I don't know if everybody understands that as they're using it. And what does data scrubbing look like? I mean, I see a whole new genre of occupations opening up for ethical data and, you know, Equitable data and all of these components, because you're going to need auditors、yeah. um, to kind of challenge it. I don't think to necessarily drive it, but to challenge those components of it that are barriers. Ooh, blows my mind. And the whole comedic thing. I, when you guys are talking about entertainment, I just suddenly thought, I am going to go home and teach it knock knock jokes or something. <laughs> I just like, I have to like try some of those <laughs> things with it to see what kind of sense of humor it has. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. So, I think we've kind of raised the question of we've talked a little bit about busy work. We've talked about like tasks it can do. Jamal mentioned kind of helping, right? Did you say policy or regulations, like、right. kind of getting you started on there? The students talked about using it as almost like a tutoring or a reference check. I mean, I think that's where it has some fascination of what are the jobs that we are okay offloading that don't have that, the work that needs to get done. But are we okay farming it out to a robot to help us? So then we free up our time to do other things. I mean, that's kind of a, an interesting thing to contemplate. So, what elements are we okay offloading and why? I think is what I wanted to know a little bit about. Yeah, just even in that vein, I think just me thinking the last few years or even some of the stuff where assignments we're putting on, whether load that we're putting on teachers and staff, they're still burnt out. And they can't handle as much. And so, what can we take off our plate? What easy, redundant assignments can we 
throw at this chat GPT and it can produce for us and alleviate them from doing this and actually have work-life balance. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm like, I can't go back to that point in time where I was stressed, staying up late, writing these long, lengthy emails and whatnot, and then nobody reads them anyway, and the fire's still there the next day. So if a computer could do it for me, I'm all for it. And so, yeah, I think anything we can do to ease the stress of whether it's students or staff, I'm all for it if a a computer can do so. I know like some people... Well, just as far as checkout lanes, just the self-checkout, some hated it because it's removing a body. But to me, I personally like to I just go to that lane and get my stuff and go. I don't have an issue packing my own bag or not having a bag, but just checking myself out and I'm gone. Some like to go to the checkout lane with a, a body there. So I think we all have our different preferences. So I don't think it's right or wrong to tell or dictate somebody else what they should and shouldn't do as far as the progress of technology and the innovation of technology. That made me suddenly think, is that like the introversion versus extroversion lanes at the grocery yes. stores? Like who, who needs a little, little friend time? Let me go talk to the checker. That's funny. <laughs> I also go through self-checkout. So yes. <laughs> that'll be a future either or question, Jamal, and then we can kind yeah, of gauge okay. people's personalities. Yeah. <laughs> What else are you guys thinking in terms of, yeah, the email one is super interesting. I got an email from a parent asking how I was going to handle AI in our district and what was going to be the official district response. And I didn't think we were at that level yet because it was so brand new, Mm -hmm. but there was concerns over the ethical use. So I drafted a very thoughtful email and then I put his question in chat GPT and they were nearly identical. There were just (laughs) a few things that I would have tweaked. I mean, why did I spend all that time when it could have been 20 minutes saved right there? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I necessarily feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I, I kind of agree with that. The way I kind of think about it is like if I'm Googling something, you know, it takes me a while to find the article that I need that answers my question. ChatGTP to me, it kind of seems like the, like an article is like already there for you without you having to go through the time and try to find something. You know, you could say the same thing about when the internet came, you know, moving from a library to the actual internet, you know, you'd spend hours looking for the right book with the right information when the internet is just a faster way. And I think chat is like an even faster way, you know, find what you're looking for. That's really good. Love that. That has so many implications. I remember whenever like a new element came out on my phone, I didn't instantly adopt, Hey, fill in the blank, smart assistant, right? I didn't always, my gut instinct wasn't to say, hey, blah, blah, blah. But now it's become pretty routine. I think our gut instinct wasn't always Google it. For a while, people of a certain generation would ask a question and you're just like, why did you not Google that? Like that Mm -hmm. makes no sense that you're wandering around the world, not getting your question answered. So hearing Rhea say that this is faster than Google or gets you the information you want faster. I think that's an interesting note about how students will be using this. Yeah, it's really good. I've seen it used for translation very interesting as well. It does have a slightly different take on it. I think because of the tone factor and so forth that it can bring in. So I think that could be an amazing accessibility tool for EL students and so forth. I think we have so much exploration to do. And who's going to pick this up? and work it into their other products. That's my other piece, because this is not going to live on its own. 
people are going to want to have this as a component of things but what can that look like and how could that be leveraged for us to be more efficient can it organize can it you know i just have all these questions that i'm hopeful you know that it will kind of iterate in those ways and become a um tool that can meet some of those tiresome components of our world that just take lots and lots of time to dig through and put together. How about you, David? What fascinates you? I've been thinking like as educators, we are sitting amongst a generation of early adopters. If we can use the TikTok example, like if someone would have told you adults, middle-aged people that, you know, in a few years from now, everyone's going to be taking like dance videos in your kitchen and all these things that people are doing on TikTok. Like, ah, that's crazy. And now like, because these awesome youngs are doing it, like we think, well, that's just kind of normal now. So I think Chris, to your question, there's so many things, we have no idea how anybody can use this, but there's a bunch of young people out there who are like, hey, what if we do this? What if we hack it this way? Or what if we try this? And they're going to be the ones who are shaping this. With that said, I think, you know, as the adults in the room who don't know all the answers, we can at least start asking some questions. What is ethical? What is legal? I think about my three-year-old who uses my iPhone, you know, watches a video of herself, but like stretches the screen out so she can zoom in and watch herself. These things are designed in such a way that these kids, we don't even have to train them because they're so well-designed. But they think it's small children specifically think that this is magic and they don't realize that this is pixels and ones and zeros and Mm -hmm. data packets on Wi-Fi. They don't understand those pieces. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk, you know, especially to high school students. There's a lot of questions here. This is not magic. You know, generative predictive text comes out in a certain way. Like, here's how this works. Teach them how it works and say, okay, so how do we use this for good and not evil? Mm -hmm. Yes, we're going to be learning a lot from them, but I think... It's up to an older generation. Hopefully, we're a little bit more experienced in seeing things that have gone wrong in the past mm-hmm. to give them a foundation. Jamal, I was thinking earlier, circling back one second about what you were talking about in terms of burnout in our teachers. I think that brings me to a video that I watched a couple of days ago, and it was a teacher and students. I would love to gauge your reaction on this. Well, so the teacher took a student's essay and had chat GPT grade it. What do you think oh. about teachers using it to do their grading? That's interesting. Um, I feel like for me, that would be sort of, I wouldn't feel too good about that, especially since my teacher, Mrs. Wilshire, she, um, I don't think there's really a formula to good writing. Like she always repeats, if you want to get that complexity point, you can't just plug it into like a formula and put it in certain words you have to have that flow to your writing. And so to have a teacher grade my essay like that, I feel like would sort of be hypocritical because if you don't want me to use ChatGPT to write it, why would you use it to grade it? Okay, so I'm gonna give you another piece of the puzzle. So the teacher put in the rubric and had the essay graded according to the rubric. And then the teacher's reaction was, this is better feedback than I write for my students because I don't have enough time this gives them more to work on and better critical feedback than I've ever given. And I now feel bad as a teacher that I wasn't doing this type of job for my students. What do you think if the output is better? Should they use it? Yes or no? Or should it be part of the process? Should the students be putting in the rubric and the thing to review it before it gets to the teacher? Yeah. 
Rhea, what were you going to add? I was just going to say, I think that if the output is critical, more critical than the teacher can give normally, I feel like that's somewhat could be a reflection of the teacher. I mean, if if she's not teaching the students, you know, the material they need to learn up to her standards, then how is it fair to have an even harsher grader? Like if she's not able to teach them the harsher, like harder materials, the better way to write. Yeah, but also adding on to that, I think that I guess it could be definitely a part of the process for the student trying to cheat, like improve themselves. So I could definitely see how that could be useful. I actually might try that in my classes. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, I'll send you the video to watch it, but it's fascinating to see that the feedback, I, as an English teacher, former English teacher, the feedback was strong. And I think the teacher's point was, I have 180 essays to grade. I can't write this paragraph for every student. I'm grading fast on a rubric. And so, yes, they're grading to high standards, but it wasn't necessarily to have the chat GPT give it a letter grade. It was to give it a process grade. Like, where did you fall on this rubric and what should you do to rewrite it? That's good. So could this be part of the writing process and part of, you know, conferencing with students and things like that? Can we build this in, in a way that doesn't feel like it's cheating for the student or the teacher, but it's one extra tool that we can all be using? Yeah, because I've uh, read reports where the teacher says, I know you're all going to use chat GPT, so let's run it right now and let's all analyze the output and see what where it's wrong and where it needs improvement. So it was more analyzing and critical thinking of the product that was produced by chat GPT, understanding that is a tool being used. And you can't, like we said before, you can't overall restrict it from being used. So finding creative ways to analyze the output. And I also wonder if we're able to offload some of these tasks. Like, let's say it's not the final grade. Let's say it's the, let me get rid of all the early style errors, grammar, surface level, things like that. And then I can grade for tone and complexity of thought as Vivian put earlier. What time does that give back to the teacher from her personalized attention to the classroom? That's what I wonder. Like, again, on this ethical line, like how much is enough to use to get a bulk of kind of the mundane tasks that Mm -hmm. take time? to peel away to the important tasks. That mm-hmm. I want to think more about. Okay, so I think we've covered a lot of topics. We've solved no problems, but I think we all have <laughs> things we're intrigued by and things we may probably immediately after we finish recording, we're going to go try thanks to some of the clever yes. ideas that have come up. So thank you for that. I'd love to kind of close out with just a couple final questions for us to kind of grapple with. And are there things, maybe this is one kind of on topic, are there things that are better suited to use this AI tool for than others? And maybe things like we've kind of like skirted that line of like, this is okay, this is not okay. Are there any other final thoughts on when it's kind of okay to use versus not so okay to use tasks that it's better suited for? I think we need to be sure that it's noted that it's being used. I think that's where we fall into that weird in-between of, is this uh, a credible use of it or not? As long as we're citing it as one of the tools that are being used, I think it gives us context for what we're receiving. And what that ends up looking like as a site, you know what, (laughs) I don't know, because that's such a different way to cite something. You're citing the tool. I don't know where that fits, but I think that is important. Has MLA come out with a ruling on this yet? Like, we don't know. I don't know that they have. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it is important to cite because I know one of our um, administrators, they're writing a book and they say they utilize ChatGPT to write some of 
their books. So to what percentage was it written by this AI? Because in some way, I'm like, well, those are not your thoughts. You didn't write that. This is coming from a machine. So sh- how much praise should I give you? And hopefully this person not listening to this podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's such an interesting point. Like how we're reacting now, just to Vivian's like initial reaction when I said this was going to, your teachers were going to grade your papers. She's like, absolutely not. How long before we're like, huh, that's okay. Like I care Mm -hmm. more about you as a person to have time in your life to design great lessons versus giving up your weekends grading essays. Like, are Mm -hmm. we going to experience those shifts? And that's a very biased statement as a former English teacher who lost a lot of weekends (laughs) to grading. But are there things that we're going to certainly be okay with later? Chris, you mentioned earlier when you get one of the AI bots, your reaction. If I open up tech support and I see that it's a robot that's just going to find an answer for me. I start looking for the phone number or a real person. Mm-hmm. Like my mm-hmm. natural aversion is I don't think you're going to be able to help me. Correct. So how long will that stick? Because Rhea's idea of like, I go there to find answers that are faster. I hadn't really thought of it that way. So that reframed for me. Our opinions and skepticism of it going to change over time, I wonder. Yeah, because I can recall those experience when you call and you get the automated response and it can't understand your voice and you're repeating it over and over and, like, and you really get frustrated like oh my gosh zero give me a number give me an, a person to interact with so yeah and that's in my mind as you were speaking that's how i see the antiquated way of ai from my past experiences so students are there anything that you want the adults that are going to be listening to this who kind of run tech teams in California, anything that you think they need to know or think about this, whether it be like, please don't block this because, or students need a chance to play with this because, like what should people who run districts kind of think about from the student perspective related to AI in schools? I think I would say that school should not block this because it's a really useful tool that can be used for like a Kickstarter for ideas or either to help explain short ideas like what Rhea said, using it as a better version of Google to find answers to questions. And I also think that it's a tool that is going to be applicable in the real life, like in the future and blocking it would just limit our education rather than help it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's something that should be utilized. I think it's something that, you know, schools and teachers and environments can take advantage of. And like Vivian said, it is going to be in our future. And I think it's only going to get better. Like the responses it's going to give are only going to get more accurate and therefore it will be more beneficial. And then I do think like if students have that kind of a tool, it could really relieve some pressure from teachers to have to answer so many questions that students have. If, you know, it's been proven Mm. that chat GTP can answer it accurately like teachers office hour times could be reduced, you know, if you have that tool that's encouraged by the teacher. Because also, I feel like if it's kind of restricted by the school and and students want to continue to use it, they may feel kind of guilty about going on it as if they shouldn't be doing that. But if it's Mm -hmm. encouraged by the teachers, then they can freely take advantage of it to like help them learn. Excellent. Thank you. For the listeners, Chris, earlier in the show before we started, she took all the questions that we had planned for today's episode and had chat GPT answer them as well. So we had a fun opening chat about we could have had the robots do the interview for us, but I don't think that you would have asked, <laughs> asked more questions, right? We didn't have that frame. 
So everyone, thanks so much for being here today. We covered some ground on this topic. And I, as Chris just said, I hope we continue the discussion. So on our team and our tech team, we've started a special channel in Slack for AI. And we just continue to post articles and questions and have a good laugh, but also get surprised and kind of grapple with this and the implications. I know in our district, we're going to be looking at language for our syllabi to see what we need to put in there. We're looking at our technology use agreements and should there be specific language there? So we'll be spending summertime and, and some of the school year kind of talking about those topics so we can make some sense about this because as you heard, either we're not talking about it or we don't think it matters or any of the above at the moment. So before we part ways, I have one final question that David, Chris, and Vivian are gonna answer. So would you rather be able to go to any theme park in the world for the rest of your life for free? So all access pass to pick your favorite theme park for the rest of your life, or you can eat for free at any drive through restaurant for the rest of your life. Which do you pick? That one's easy. It's theme park all the way. Okay. I can't think of anything I want to drive through more than once. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this was hard, but since I am sort of scared of roller coasters, I'm not going to lie, I would have to go with the drive through <laughs> And I would probably pick in and out if it could be that you didn't have to wait in the line, that could convince me because it is never short. David, what Not about at you? All. So here's practical dad asking, Jamie, I, I've got to parse the question here. Is it just a pass for me or is it a family pass uh, to my three kids and wife get to come along too? It's only you. It's only, oh, and then no way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen ticket prices? Yes. Any trip to the drive-through with my family is like a hundred bucks. So as much as it disgusts <laughs> me to say this, I've got to go with the driver. Oh, wow. Awesome. Great. Thank you all so very much. It was an honor to learn with you today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Thanks, Jamal. Yeah, good time. Thanks, you all. Well.